All right, welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong. How's everybody doing? You have a good holiday weekend? Hotter than hell down here in Austin. Like I say every week, any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, funny stories, whatever it is you want to do, send me an email, theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. My guest this week is Emmanuel Acho. An amazing conversation. And for you non-Texas uh, Longhorn fans, bear with the first part of this conversation. Obviously, a lot going on here in Austin with the University of Texas and their football program. After the first game, they were favored by 18 points against a team that looked like they should have been at the Kentucky Derby. They lost by 10. Had to talk about it, Emmanuel. Uh, so for you, well, I should say for you UT fans, you're going you're gonna to love what he has to say. Uh, and for you non-UT fans, give it about 10 minutes because it gets this one. Everybody in the room today said, wow. Everything from head injuries, CTE, growing up as a first-generation American to Nigerian parents, all the humanitarian work that he does down there with his father's charity, Living Hope Ministries, talk Colin Kaepernick. We talk, should student, college student athletes who make hundreds of millions of dollars for their universities, should they be paid or compensated in some way? And finally, the best part, or the cutest part of the whole thing, we talk about how a girl that he didn't even know asked him to go be her prom date her senior year in high school in Virginia. Uh, he said, well, if you get 2,000 retweets, I'll do it. Uh, she said, if, 2000, if I get 2,000 retweets, will you come? He said, get 10,000 and I'll be there. She got twelve or 13,000, so... Uh, amazing story how he showed up uh, to be some uh, some young lady's prom date. I really enjoyed my hour with him, and I think you will too. Before we get to Emmanuel, uh, big shout out to everybody that's gone online uh, and bought the Houston t-shirts, the t-shirts we're selling uh, to support all the victims uh, from Hurricane Harvey. We are at uh, north of 700 t-shirts sold, which is for me is a crazy number. We'd like to get to 1,000 help as many people as we can. As I said uh, last week, 100% of all the proceeds of the sale of these t-shirts goes directly to, uh, to, the, to, to the city of Houston and Rockport and other affected areas. So please help. Go check those out at wedosport.com. Uh, last little bit of We Do business, uh, the We Do 50, the 50-mile 50 uh, mountain bike ride up in Aspen, Colorado is coming up, filling up. Go get online. Go register September the 17th. May want to get in shape. It's a tough one, but it will be absolutely gorgeous. The leaves are changing. Uh, you're going to finish uh, in a sea of yellow, which I'm, well, I'm certainly looking forward to. Last thing, congratulations to my son and his Westlake High School football team. The Shaps, they beat uh, College Station High School. It was a little closer than they liked. Uh, but they, they left with a victory. You know, the interesting thing about this, and I might have said this last week, was that they were due to play Katy, Katy High School outside of Houston. That game obviously had to be canceled and changed, so they, they made up a game with College Station High. Luke played great, and the Shaps came away with a win. So uh, congrats to, uh, to Luke and all his buddies. Enjoy Emmanuel Lacho, and we will talk to you next week. Emmanuel, thanks for coming on. Of course. Glad to be here. When you 
said you were going to come on this podcast, I didn't think that we would have to start the show talking about the University of Texas losing to Maryland 51 to 41. I didn't think we would either. And a, an 18-point favorite. I'm a little frustrated you're making me relive that right now, in all honesty. In all honesty. But we have to. We have to. I, I talked to the, to the team, and I oh, don't make it all about that. I said, but we have to talk about this. This, this is not – this town is shocked. Here's what's crazy. It, it, it's because there was so much built up before the game, right? Tom Herman is coming in. Tom Herman's going to change everything. Texas head coach Tom Herman, he's revamped the locker rooms, put in $10 million, changed the weight room. Texas is different. Then you get back on the field, and it looks like the same old Texas. Now, I'm not concerned. I've seen this program up close. He gives former players access to practice. I believe that he is the guy. Hmm. Um, and people also don't understand that Maryland has talent. They started 4-0 last year. So I think once the coaches start to learn their players a little bit more, um, and they start to put their players in better positions to succeed, I think they'll turn it around. Hmm. Well, uh, that's interesting you say that. I mean, it, 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 I didn't expect it. I didn't, well, I didn't know what you'd say. But, uh, you know, for me, the worst part was losing to a team with those uniforms. That, that ought to be illegal. I mean, seriously. And I love all that Kevin Plank and Under Armour stand yeah. for. But who I, I think he missed who green who greenlit that exactly? There, I feel like there are two Under Armour strikes, right? The the Currys, the Steph Curry lows, oh, they no. got a bunch of negative attention, and then there's the Maryland Terrapins uniform. This wasn't the worst because they've done some checkered yellow, red, white in the past. Sure. Um. So when you lose one at home, but then you lose to a team. That, that was dressed for the Kentucky Derby. Yes, no. yes. And not even dressed well for the Derby. No. Just dressed for it. Yeah. I just got a note here. It said, Sam Elliger took all the reps with the, with the first team today and will tomorrow. Tom Herman also says Jared Hurd will do some double duty at quarterback wide receiver. I think that I, what I, my biggest fear was having a quarterback controversy, especially yeah. <laughs> so early on. I think Shane Bouchelle, who started last game, I think he is the guy, obviously, for more reasons than one. You don't want a true freshman in Sam Ellinger starting at quarterback. That's just not what you want. Name a true freshman that has led their team to a national championship win. That's just not what you want, especially at a place like Texas. Gerard Hurd, he's obviously he's capable. Um, he's probably the most athletic player on the field whenever he's on the field. But Bouchelle's the guy. Knowing that he's the guy, now the coaches just have to figure out what can he do best. He's not a runner. Right. He's not We're Braxton Miller or right. Cardell Jones, who Tom Herman had at Ohio State. He's not Greg Ward, who Tom Herman had back at Houston. He's a pocket passer that can throw a heck of a deep ball, play to his skill set. Can Sam Elliger run? I mean, Sam Elliger can run. He can definitely run, he but can. there's such a difference between high school and college, right? We, we think Sam Ellinger can run because we've seen him do it in high school. We've seen him make some very difficult throws in high school. But remember, I, I went to some of his senior games last year at Westlake. He tore his MCL, I believe. He yeah, tore up his knee, hurt, was hurt and all then year. he broke his hand. Right. Um, so if you're getting hurt running at the high school level, Right. Who's to say that you're just going to come into college and all of a sudden be a Vince Young, Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, Johnny Manziel type? It's just, I don't think that's what Texas fans want. Don't no. jump off the bandwagon so quick. Right. So my son plays football at Westlake. Okay. He's a senior now. He's left tackle. So he played with, you know, he was, oh, yeah. he was Sam's left tackle last year. And uh, so he's, he's, uh, 
he's still there. It's interesting to go to big time. We probably cross paths at some of these Westlake High School football teams or games, but uh, it's a it's a it's a tough sport. Here's a crazy stat. Check out this stat. Texas Longhorns are 46 and 44 in 90 games since Colt McCoy's injury in the national title game. In 90 games before the injury, they were 79 and 11. So afterwards, 46 and 4, 500 team after. Yeah, I. And you were there. I, yes, I unfortunately you were, you lived were there. the heart of that. Right. My sophomore year was a national championship game. I started in that game where Colt McCoy got injured. My first two years at Texas, we were 26 and 2. Mm. 26 and two. That's two losses. My freshman year, we lost to Texas Tech. I had torn my MCL and I hadn't played in that game or traveled. Mm. So I hadn't experienced a loss until the national championship games. I'd been on campus for over 600 days without losing. After the national championship game, we do the worst in Texas history, going five and seven my junior year. I've seen both sides. Um, people have their ideas and their reasons as to what has been Texas's demise. Um, I have my own thoughts. But I'll, I know this much. College football is better when Texas is better. Mm. It's not just about Texas. It's not just about Austin. But the same thing as the Dallas Cowboys. When the Cowboys are good, it's just better for the NFL. So for the sake of college football, Texas needs to turn it around. But I have no doubt they will. Yeah. What's it like playing? Because um, to me, it seems like if I – and I've been to some uh, – well, I haven't been to a, an LSU or an Alabama game or or a, or, or – a, you know, an old miss or or even Kyle Field I haven't been to, but it just seems that and I'm not asking you to to to, to make a a negative statement about our fans, but it just doesn't it's not the same intensity from and I guess I look at it as a as a competitor or former athlete. It's like, all right, where's where's the noise? Like it whereas a Kyle Field, you can't even hear yourself think, I would imagine, or or an Alabama or an L it's crazy. At Kyle Field, that was one of the most rowdy places I ever played. Even at Oklahoma State, um, I think uh, T. Boone Pickens, I think the stadium's named after him. Mm. That is one of the loudest stadiums, and they only have 60,000. Here's the thing. Texas fans are so accustomed to winning because we did that in Austin for so long that you didn't even have to make noise. We rolled out there. The Longhorn would be on the emblem, would be on the side of the helmet, and you knew Texas would get a win. That's not the case anymore. No. Now these fans need the, – the team needs the fans more than ever. Yep. But the problem is it's hard to cheer for a losing team. And like you said, what, 90 games since Colts got hurt, Texas is 46-44, and 44, very mediocre football. Yep. Um, I, the players notice that, um, but ultimately the Texas fans are diehard. They're faithful as can be. It's not the loudest for more reasons than one. Again, just the stadium setup, it allows for noise to exit, whereas Kyle right. Field, that's not the freaking case. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's one of those things where ultimately if Texas starts winning again, the fans are going to have something to cheer for. Yeah, because I saw in one of your video clips, I watched your the, the little five-minute scissor reel there on, uh, on, uh, on YouTube, which – you got some talent. Forget the football and but you know the, the you know whatever the behind the behind the mic and at the desk there. I love this. So I'm, it, but you were talking about just with the Longhorn on the helmet, the Longhorn on the chest. There's a certain amount of uh, mystique and intimidation that comes along with that. I if I'm a team rolling into Daryl K. Memorial, you know the stadium, I'm not intimidated at all. No. At all. And you no. haven't been for five or six years now. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. I think that 
Texas used to be able to just roll out there, get off the bus. They looked the part. They hit like they should. Everybody's already intimidated. But now you get off your bus if you're an opposing team and you're licking your chops. Mm -hmm. Because when I was at Texas, especially the first couple of years, you're getting the opponent's best shot. Regardless, you're getting their best shot. So now you got to be on your A game every time. Maryland rolled down to Austin and they were excited, not only because they're playing the Longhorns, but this is an amazing stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, they have to, Texas has to find a way to garner that respect again, but it starts by smacking somebody in the mouth. Yeah. And not just somebody like San Jose State, who they have this weekend, but going down to SC in two weekends from now mm. and really making some noise. Yeah. We shall see. Steve Bouchel injured. Tom Herman said quarterback Shane Bouchel, sorry, Shane Bouchel bruised throwing shoulder and will not practice on Tuesday. Will be evaluated. Did that just come out? Just now. He's he's doing a press conference right now to the local media. Shane Bouchel. Wow. So Wow. I was hoping that was like some a random fan had just tweeted that at you. That's Tom Herman himself. Yes. Yep. So here's But it's no, um, here's a, here's a concern. Fans are going to want to see Ellinger because he's an Austin Knight. He's a local product, a local product, but a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, I'm always worried. And it's not because Sam Ellinger doesn't have the talent, but here's the thing. It's like starting a rookie quarterback in the NFL. There's a reason the Browns have moved through so many quarterbacks as of late. There's a reason Texas hasn't yet had a dominant quarterback since Shane, uh, since uh, Colt McCoy. When you put a guy in a position to fail, which I believe Sam Ellinger having to start sooner than later is putting him in a position to, to fail, he loses his confidence early. Yep. The game of football is all about confidence. It's different than other sports. I played Odell Beckham his rookie year. I played for the Eagles. He played for the Giants. I played against him before the catch, that one-handed catch he's known for. He had no yards. He so had my maybe, eight-year-old son, that's all That's all these kids want to do now. Like, Tell me, yeah, I'm going to do one-handed catch. I'm like, exactly. how about we catch it with two hands first? Exactly. I played against Odell before he made the catch. He had maybe three catches, 30 yards on the day. We beat them. We beat the Giants in Philadelphia 27-0 on Thursday night or Monday night. I played against him after the catch. He had 13 catches for, I believe, 170 yards and a touchdown. Mm. It's all about confidence. It's not that a skill set wasn't there the first time. He just didn't have confidence. If Sam Ellinger goes out there for Texas, throws a couple interceptions against San Jose State, then has to play against USC, we'll never know how good he can be yeah. because his confidence has already been shot. Shane Bouchel, he goes out there third play of the game, throws an interception. It's a reason he struggled the rest of the game. Yeah. His confidence was shot. Yeah, the tipping point. That's the tipping point. Should these kids, I, I always worry and I wonder, you know, because you see, here we have a stadium with 102,000 people that we could pack in there. You can do the math. We can all do the math. An average ticket price, except blah, blah, blah. We know what that totals. We know what the football program, forget the University of Texas, but all whether it's USC or Alabama or Notre Dame or Oregon, we know what these football programs mean. We know, so therefore, and I, I come at it from an athlete standpoint, should these kids not so much be being paid, but should there be there, look? There's there's somebody's making too much money for these guys 
to get nothing. Look, now you are talking my language. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a no-brainer. Okay. Should athletes, should collegiate athletes be paid? Um, it's a very, it's a multi-layered, multi-leveled conversation. I agree. I think you have to pay athletes. If a, if a place like the University of Texas is grossing 138, 130 plus million dollars, the athletes, the study came out, each would make 600 plus thousand dollars a year at Texas. Here is one of the arguments. People say, well, the education's paid for. In-state tuition is not that much. If I'm a Texas athlete, give me my money. I will pay for my tuition. I will pocket the rest. Well, some will say it's just not fair. In my opinion, college is supposed to prepare you for real life. Is real life fair? Heck no. The other thing is there are different ways and there are different means you can go about doing this. In the NFL, there's something called player performance. You get paid based on how much you play. I think you can do the same thing at the college level. I don't think the starter, a guy like Shane Bouchelle, the starting quarterback, should make as much as a third-string linebacker who doesn't touch the field. I don't think so at all. But if you're playing, if you're making $100-plus million for your university, you should see that much money. It's very simple. Ask yourself, if you're the CEO of a company, you have one employee making you money, and you have another employee losing you money, what's your move? Maybe not fire the one losing you money, but at least honor and reward the one that's making you money. Well, Texas football players, win, lose, or draw, are making the university a hundred plus million dollars. Right, they got to see some of it. Right, and 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 it's it's just a it's a uh, it's a blurry line there, and and nobody wants to you know I love this they call them student athletes, you know they're really athlete students. Of course, I mean that ought to be flipped around when when the numbers are that high and the pressure is that high. Yeah. That, that they got it backwards. Yeah. So, but is there some way where these kids know that at the end, if the, if they graduate, so you, we want you to come to this university, and we stress academics, and you know, all the coaches say the same shit all the time. Well, you know, academics, academic. Come on. So, if they fulfill their commitment on the field and off the field in the classroom, I, there's got to be something that 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 sets them up. Whether they they might go to the NFL, but I, I don't know, one percent go or less. Yep. So the others that don't, how about a little, a little runway? And here's another train of thought. Here's another idea and offer I've heard proposed. Keep the money that the athlete would have earned. Keep it in an account that he cannot touch until after he graduates. Okay. Right? I like that idea as well. Yeah. Um, like you said, when, that gives them also a head start. Whether they go to the NFL or not, many think they are and they don't end up going. Let there be an account that they can now tap into after they graduate. Maybe if they don't graduate, they don't see that money. Mm-hmm. But – the NCAA, the players don't have a union. The NCAA is not going to just willingly give away this money. The University of Texas won't willingly give away money that they can keep to themselves. After you leave high school, the game of football is a business. Yeah. At the college level, at the national level, and the NFL, the game of football is a business. And until you can throw a, a wrench in the way that things are being done, right. Nothing will change. Yeah, that's going to be very hard. To, I mean, you saw. The, I mean, you had the athletes at, at Northwestern try to. Yep, sue Payne the Coulter inst- in them. Right, didn't I mean, really work. Right, that's. What's the greater evil, Nancy Two A or Roger Goodell? Roger Goodell. It's not even. But it's not. It's not even close. It's. But Roger Goodell. He's really just kind of a, a puppet, more or less. It's it's, it's not Jerry, even, Jerry's boy. He's more or less a puppet. Here's what people don't understand. 
The National Football League, as great as it is, it owns one day of the week, literally. It is such a cutthroat business, yeah. point blank, period. When you leave college, if, if the NFL promotes higher education, why would you put a combine in the middle of an athlete's senior year, hmm. right? What, what sense does that make? So now the athlete literally can't graduate because he has to train for an NFL combine that falls in February, the middle of the athlete's final semester of college. Now, in order to graduate, I got to graduate in three and a half years. How am I supposed to graduate in three and a half years if I got to go to football practice essentially all day, every day? Beyond that, in college now, you, you can't even work because there are so many NCAA rules. Is you, are you being paid legally or illegally? The NFL, the NC2A, a lot of issues there. I think the NFL is is worse just because I have seen the ugly truths in the in the NFL. You know, some people try to say on Twitter, social media, oh, it's only because you got cut, this and that and the third. I am the more accurate depiction of an NFL athlete. Mm. Not Peyton Manning, not Russell Wilson, not Tom Brady. No, the player that is cut multiple times still finds a way to succeed, play four years, so I got vested pension annuity. But I saw some of the ugly behind the scenes. Another point, if you care about the NFL athletes' health, why is there a Thursday night game yeah. four days after well, they're they looking played to on do, Sunday? They're, they're talking about – I mean, everybody hates the Thursday game. Everybody. Of course. So, I mean, I, I, on Thanksgiving in 2014, um, we played the Cowboys. Four days prior, we're playing so, the Tennessee – subject with me. <laughs> four days prior, we're playing the Tennessee Titans. This was back when I'm with the Eagles, and I tear my groin. We have to play three and a half days later. Second-degree tear. I have to find a way to miraculously – be healed in four days to play that Cowboys game. It just doesn't make any sense. Or play through it somehow. Yeah. Which, which you know, we're starting to figure out how that goes. And yeah. that's, that's, you know, the, the mountain to tour it all and all the shit. I mean, that's not. Exactly. The Thursday game's got to go. Away. It's got to go. It's got to go. The, the four preseason games. Yeah. The heck? Yeah. I mean, the, the coaches already know who they're going to keep. Yeah. 85% of the roster is already solidified before training camp even starts. Yep. So what is the point of four preseason games? Who are you doing it for? Yep. Your article here that you wrote for the undefeated, uh, for the listener at home, it's called theundefeated.com. Uh, the title of your article here is Cut Day, the darkest day in the NFL. This was, this, this was a, you just alluded to it, but uh, it's not so much just the dark side of the NFL, but just the reality of how, how shrewd and cold and, and cold-hearted that business is. The last paragraph I have to read for the listener because I don't trust them to go look it up and read it themselves. I'm kidding, listener. Um, you say, I've learned a lot while in the NFL, but one lesson surpasses them all. The fear of the unknown is far worse than the reality of the situation, except when tackling former NFL running back Marshawn Lynch. I'm going to get to that. Being told your services are no longer needed is a miserable feeling, and cleaning out your locker in, in humiliation as your peers watch is awful. But cut day, the day every player avoids like the plague, coaches ignore like the pink elephant in the room, and fans are oblivious to, that day is true misery. So as you anxiously await NFL opening weekend when, you, uh, when you'll take in the crisp noonday air as you watch the ball fly off the tee for the first time, be reminded the darkest hour of night comes just before the dawn. Man, the story and the story of you, uh, you know, you sort of making it through day one, you know, and then you're getting like to the last day, and then you're getting your hair cut, and then da da da, and then this is a great story, and then you're like, I, 
and you're a, a, a man of the Lord, you're like, I got to find some place to pray. And you go into the bathroom and you, you kneel down, you say in your prayer, and then you look over, you're like, uh oh, somebody's, there's somebody right here. This is not, maybe not the best place to, to look for some help. Lance, I got so many cut day stories. I don't even know because I don't recall exactly when I wrote this piece. I got cut. The, the final time I got cut, I broke my thumb in training camp of 2015. I break my thumb. I'm starting during the preseason. I have surgery. And, and they told me beforehand, if we have to put if we have to put screws in it, you'll only miss two weeks. Hmm. But if we have to put a plate in it, then you'll miss four to six weeks. Screws because screws won't break the skin. You can just put screws in. It's fine. But if the break is, if the fracture is so small that a screw would break the fracture, we'll have to put pins in it. It's longer recovery time. I wake up from that, from being under, under the knife. And I instantly ask the doctor screws or pins. And he tells me pins hmm. and my heart sunk because now I know I'm out four to six weeks. This is going into week three of the preseason. The Eagles weren't going to hold on to me for four to six weeks. So I get cut while I'm still under the influence of all the drugs. I go straight from the operating table. I'm driven to the facility. I meet with my defensive coordinator. He's like, hey, man, we have to let you go. I just woke up an hour ago. I then go to meet Chip Kelly. Hey, we have to let you go. Um, but, you know, it's probably better for you. You're playing really well, but we got a couple guys ahead of you. Keep in mind, when you get cut, you have to pack up your entire locker. So they, the, the equipment manager gives you a huge trash bag. I can't use my right hand because I just had surgery. I'm still under the influence of God only knows how many drugs. And now I'm jobless to add insult to injury. So I'm just scooping stuff from my locker into the bag. I throw it over my shoulder. Some guys in the locker room, they're helping me. But some other, some others are at practice and at meetings. Cut day is ugly, man. Cut day. And that was probably maybe my prettiest cut day story. <laughs> I mean that was God. that was probably the, the 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 best cut day story of of them all. But on cut day, literally, you and I would be walking through the facility of of the Eagles complex or the Cowboys complex. We'd be having a conversation as we are now. I'd be like, "Yeah, man, Lance, that game yesterday was crazy." I'd look to my left where you were formerly standing, and you'd be gone. And what we call in the NFL is the Grim Reaper would have come tapped you on the shoulder and simply said, I need your playbook. And that's how it goes. You're walking with your best friends for the last four five, six months, maybe years. Next thing you know, out of nowhere, they disappear. Yeah. It's wild. You're driving through the gates. You're gone. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. You ever think you get to that place? I mean, you grew up in Dallas. I, I love this. I, I didn't know your story until I, I started. It's so funny when you walked in today, you're like, yeah, I was, I'm from Dallas. I was a blah, blah, blah. first generation where I was like, Manuel, I know. I didn't know yesterday, but I know it all now. But this story of of your folks immigrating from Nigeria, ending up in Dallas, where I grew up. Yep. I, was, I was born in downtown Dallas in Oak Cliff Heck yeah. at Methodist Hospital. Um, and then you go into St. Mark's, which is a crazy, you know, St. Mark's, check this out. For the listener at home, if you're not from Dallas and you don't know anything about St. Mark's, this is... This is a high. This is a this is a serious private school in Dallas. And here, just some of the alumni here. You got Ross Perot, you got Steve Miller, you got Boz Skaggs, you have Tommy Lee Jones, you have Luke and Owen Wilson, Luke you have you and your brother. You have uh, the list is is huge. Yeah. And then uh, and then you end up here at the University of Texas and. Um, but and the the story of and there was a a great piece uh, I think you wrote on your trip back to Nigeria with your uh, I believe your parents' yep. charity 
And we should give that a shout out. Living Hope Ministries. Living Hope Ministries. I watched the five minute video on yes. on uh, on their website, and you know, just going there. In in in, in one of the article, articles here, you have you came back with eight lessons, which are, you know, obviously you know, super powerful. You wrote this for the Players Tribune, um, and I, I, you know, what I'm just going to read the eight lessons that you came back with. But before we get to it, what is the Living Hope Ministries? You guys, obviously, look back up. We take a lot for granted in this country, right? I'm going to get out and I'm going to get in my car and it, it, the lights are going to be green and red. And, and if, I, if I broke my foot tomorrow, I'd go to the hospital, be all yeah. good. If I got sick, I was worried this morning I had allergies. I got it. It's right there. I go down to the CVS. It's all good. But it's not so in, in Nigeria. Yeah. So in Nigeria, two thirds of the people live off less than a dollar a day. Right, that's um, what your dad said in the video. Two thirds of the people, man, off less than a dollar a day. Beyond that, there is no annual checkup. Like we have in America, oh, just go see your doctor. There's no Walgreens. There's no CVS, especially in the village primarily. So my dad, 30 years ago, started Living Hope Ministries. And at first, he just went back with bags of rice. But then um, he got his doctorate um, in psychology, not medicine relevant, but my mom got her doctorate in nursing. Hmm. And so they knew a bunch of doctors in the Dallas area, started going back, 35 doctors and nurses. And we just for two weeks, 14 days, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. work just for free. Um, I calculated two years ago, we did $1.28 million in free medical care. It's amazing because we'll see some people with a spider bite that's completely eroded their arm because they couldn't have antibiotics. And thankfully, we saved the arm. Again, like you said, you'll drive down the road, you'll see red, yellow, green lights. Nigeria, you drive down sand roads. The sand kicks up into people's eyes. It forms a cataract. So we've gone with ophthalmologists and optometrists, and we've removed cataracts. People walk into the building blind and walk out able to see. So Living Hope Ministries, it's an amazing thing. Um, you can check out more at livinghopeministries.us. Yep. But it is, it's the biggest thing that keeps me and my brother humble. My brother going on year seven in the NFL with the Chicago Bears now. Um, and we've accomplished a lot, you know, by worldly standards. But when you go back to Nigeria and when we go and realize that, man, only by the grace of God are we here, you realize you got to go be a blessing. Yeah. You got to go be a blessing. Yeah. The images on this, on the Players' Tribune piece are, are powerful. You guys, you in, in, in some of the treatment rooms, you with kids, it's just, man, talk about, I mean, that, that'll, you know, we, we're funny. We, we worry about the dumbest shit. We like, do. I mean, and some of it's not dumb. I mean, I worry about my kids and I worry about their grades and their health and their future. That's real, right? But I worry, oh, you know, it's, it's hot and humid here and I don't like it. And I, and I actually verbalize that and complain. I mean, what, what, a, what a loser. <laughs> here's, the eight rule, here's the eight rules or the eight lessons you took away from one of these trips to Nigeria. Number one, in America, we are overwhelmingly blessed but have underwhelming gratitude. Number two, fear of the unknown is no excuse. Number three, good one, money does not equal happiness. So true. Yep. Number four, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We build that wall, we're going to have real problems. Number five, they say it is better to give than receive, but I say the two aren't mutually exclusive. Number six, there is a level of poverty that is completely foreign to Americans. Let's just, just pause there. I mean, we don't, we don't. I mean, people think that they go to the south side of Chicago or they go to East L.A. and they see poverty. Uh-uh. 
completely foreign. Yeah. Foreign. The the best quote I heard. We took a doctor um, that went to um, that was from the U.S. He grew up in Dallas, that Oak Cliff area, and there's some poverty stricken areas in the Dallas area. Sure. He said when he got to the village of Nigeria, he said this is like the ghetto on steroids, mm. right? He said this is like essentially the dregs of America, the the most impoverished parts of America on steroids. Mm. Um, so. I got to Nigeria and I really realized, man, like people in America, we in America, we don't even know the depths. We don't know the, you know, a lot of people lost a lot in America and have lost a lot in America over the the, the course of dis- different catastrophes, et cetera. In Nigeria, they never had anything to lose yeah. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you shower and you bathe in the in the pond down the street. You have about three or four outfits that you wash and you hang up on hangers. No washing machine. Ain't no dryer. Yeah. Number seven, a life lived selfishly is not worth living. And number eight, God's grace abounds. And I love that then you have this, the photo, here's the photo of you. <laughs> Make God famous. But you're here in this room. Look at this guy. This guy is, is, is not doing well. And, and uh, there you are, man. Just, just helping out. Good on you for that. Livinghopeministries.us. Yeah, man. Yeah. What's the language in Nigeria? Three main dialects. There's Igbo. Because your dad, in the video, clearly your dad yeah. spoke another language yes. at some point. So there's Igbo, Hausa, and Yoruba. Um, Igbo is what my dad and my family, that's what we are. That's what we speak. That's the tribe. Therefore, that's, there's a dialect that follows it. Um, those are the three main ones. Um, a lot of athletes now in the NFL, NBA, et cetera, based off their name, I know kind of what they are. Hmm. Um, and so... It's cool. It's cool when you can kind of identify with other players across different leagues. And now I'm trying to do a lot more to help others go back to Nigeria as well and give back. Did you did did they speak that in the house, Ebo, when you were growing up? Yeah. So I'm the youngest of four. I got okay. two older sisters, my brother, myself. So you my, don't speak any, and they all the oldest, right? Speaks a Basically, bit. I can understand. <laughs> yeah, got you. I can understand it, but as my parents got to me, they were speaking English. Yeah. So you. So when I'm, you go back over there, you gotta. So give me two, three weeks, yeah. and I can learn. Give me two, three weeks and I can adapt. It starts to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, language is one of the easiest things to learn when you're young. When you're young. Yes. So it starts to come back out when I'm there for two, three weeks. Um, but besides that, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. I might have to embarrass you a little bit here because I didn't realize. I mean, you have all these talents, right? You, you have clearly highly intelligent, uh, a master's in sports psychology, an amazing football player. But I don't think most people know that you're that you're a musician and a composer. <laughs> and so this is, and I was, I tell you what, I had to get up and walk around after watching this and listening to this. But let me just, this, this I don't, is, I don't know what he's playing. This is unbelievable. This is, this is, I found this on YouTube, and I was telling Anna when I left the house, I said, "Shit, the internet is unbelievable." It is, man. You, you can can't find hide everything on here. You NFL free agent Manuel Acho, <laughs> a musical ode to free agency, and the title of this song is "All of Me." And there's a football right there. <laughs> you know who. I'm going to stop. <laughs> but you got the lyrics on here. Yeah. You got, you want the good news or the bad news? Uh-oh. Give me the good news first. I don't know what it, I don't know what it's good or bad. There's 22,000 views of that. So now you're going to have 100,000 more people that, that know to go look for this. 
That's pretty amazing. Man, that was funny. So that was last year during free agency. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out, should I transition to ESPN and and take on broadcasting, or should I go back back to the NFL? The answer is yes. Exactly. Yes, you should, because you're amazing at it. It's it's been great. It's been great, but I love John Legend. John Legend's probably my favorite artist, and so his All of Me song, one of my favorite songs, I was like, let me just vent a little bit. I got behind the keys. I wrote some lyrics about NFL free agency um, and just had at it. Yeah. I've had a bunch of football players on this show. I've had uh, Bo Jackson. I've had Troy Aikman. I've had, well, I've had Coach Brown, Nate Boyer. Uh, and we, in all these, just Brett Favre, and wow. all these, just Coach Dye, Coach Pat Dye, and mm-hmm. all the discussions with these guys. Uh, and, and I think it's selfishly because my son plays football. My eight-year-old boy is obsessed with football. All he wants to do is sit in the backyard and throw the football. In all of these discussions, and, and probably, you know, in every – it is the number one topic for football right now is head injuries. As it should be. And as a parent, it's, it's – I'm not just asking you the question so you can give me a fancy answer. I care. Yeah. And uh, and I read some of the stuff that your position on. I mean, this this is not – uh, not not an issue. It's it's a real issue. It's a huge issue. Yeah. So tomorrow, actually, and can the game survive it? I'll get to that. Okay. Um, tomorrow, I'm actually hopping on a plane to DC to meet with 170 members of Congress um, on a panel, um, and I will advocate for more um, health protection as it pertains to neurological function and neurological injuries. Mm-hmm. I'm also on a panel with the neuroscientists and a whole team a part of Vices. Vices has come out with a new helmet. Sure. Yeah, um, a buddy of mine is, was involved in the in the design of that. Perfect. Yep. So Vices has come out with a new helmet um, that is supposed to help relieve some of the concussion-type injuries. Because um, they can't make too many dramatic claims, um, because regardless, concussions will exist in football. But you're exactly right. It's an issue. And I have educated myself to talk on the matter. I, I've talked extensively um, with a, a neuroscientist out of Los Angeles who performed brain studies. And... I've studied this thing for probably a hundred plus hours um, to the point where I had to stop studying it because it was freaking me out. Mm. Um, I've given speeches at Texas to some athletes about it. What it comes down to is the helmet protects the brain from fracture. It protects the skull from fracture, but it does not protect the brain from jarring within. Sure. Um, the, The brain is a consistency of tofu, essentially. And so that is what the matter within the brains, the consistency of tofu. So every time that a player is hit, it, it shears and tears at the neurons within the brain. To put this in context, a fighter pilot experiences five to seven Gs of force upon takeoff and kind of max acceleration. A soccer player, when they headbutt the ball, 54 Gs of force max. A hockey player, 40 Gs of force. A football player experiences anywhere from 60 to 120 Gs of force. The average concussion taking place around that 90 to 95 G mark. And so the NFL has an issue to be concerned with. Parents have an issue to be concerned with. Ultimately, how can you play the game safely? That's what those need to figure out. The NFL helmet, it really hasn't changed since the 1970s. At first it was leather, and then it's moved on. But since the 1970s, it really hasn't changed. I hope and I believe that vices can help make a change, but the NFL has to do more. And at the least, let the players know exactly what they're getting into. You know, it's 
it's funny. Many people think, well, the athlete knows there's inherent risk, inherent danger. The athlete probably doesn't even know what CTE stands for in right. chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Mm -hmm. The athlete probably doesn't even know what CTE stands for. For the record, I didn't know either, but I knew what I knew CTE, but the la the third word I couldn't even say. Well, that's say. not at least your world. Mm. You see what I'm yeah. saying? If if I'm doing something and being paid handsomely and putting the rest of my family at risk for something, I better at least know the heck about everything yeah. that has to do with it. I talked to um, Justin Strelzik, he was the fourth player that was diagnosed with CTE. He was portrayed in the movie Concussion. Um, he was a Pittsburgh Steeler that drove the wrong way um, down a highway at 94 miles an hour, head on into a tank truck. I talked to his ex-wife, Keena McMahon. On purpose. Um, yes, on purpose. I talked to his ex-wife, Keena McMahon. She had some very interesting quotes that stuck with me. She said, unless you lock the player in a room with padded walls, you can't help them. Essentially, like they are so dangerous. Unless you lock them in a room, not only by themselves, but lock them in a room with padded walls. She also said, we're small women dealing with 300-pound men. We need help. I asked her to, to end my interview with her. I said, would you let your ch children play? Yep. She said, absolutely not. Right. Absolutely, oh, positively, you couldn't pay me enough. Yeah, Brett Favre said that. Yeah, and Brett Favre has come out and said he's had he's started different types of for issues. Sure, for sure. Um, so acknowledge it. The NFL has to. But you, right. And so to that, and I know that the NFL, obviously that's the pinnacle of the sport. That's the, that is the league. But these kids, my, my kids, you know, he, but Luke started playing as a senior. He started playing when he, you know, flag football, peewee football, all through his, you know, middle school, uh, high school. He's not going to play in college. But, you know, these kids are – it's an accumulative thing. Like yeah. they're not, they don't get to the NFL and start having concussions. Yeah. They get them in, in middle school. Yeah. So it is, people ask, you know, what's the simplest way to define CTE? It is a, a progressive degenerative disease, mm. meaning over time it gets worse. Right. I didn't realize until three months, four months ago when I, when I held my interview with the neuroscientist, the brain doesn't stop developing and maturing until 25. I'm 26. So my brain literally just stopped. So right. it's not just an NFL problem. It's not just a college athlete problem. It's a high school problem. It's a peewee problem. I was eight years old when I started playing football, tackle football. The heck am I tackling kids for at eight years old? Right. That's the question. When do you, when do you, so we can talk about a helmet technology. Yep. You can talk about, you know, uh, coaches and, 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 in practice, teaching kids how to tackle properly and keep the head out of the way. But, I mean, maybe you, maybe they tackle too early. Yeah, I think the, the best way I've heard it, Zach Ertz, tied in for the Philadelphia Eagles. I've talked with his mom. She's on his mom, yes, um, she's on the board of vices. And I think one of the best approaches is kind of what they took is don't really start playing until high school. Hmm. Don't start playing until your freshman, sophomore year. If you're going to play football in college, you have four years to, to develop and master those skills. You can play flag beforehand. Um, or but soccer, basketball. Or soccer, anything. Yeah, yeah. But at least come high school, you then don't have as much cumulative damage, at least, if you only play for those four years and stop. If you end up earning a scholarship, you can do it in four years. Mm. So right now, I think that's the best approach to take. But I will also say this, and I want to make sure the listener hears we are with our knowledge of the brain and brain and head trauma where we were with our knowledge of heart and heart disease in the 1950s mm. and 60s. So ultimately, we don't know that say, we don't know. Yeah, that's scary. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to go back there. We don't know that we don't know. Yeah. Huh. 
And is, I, I, the, the, this is what I think, and I don't know nothing, but when you talk about the NFL and you talk about Roger Goodell, who I don't know Roger Goodell, and, and, and we're talking about CT, a very real issue for him and the whole sport of football. To me, it's almost in like in politics, it's called wag the dog, where you've got an issue over here, whether it's an affair or you got something going on on the left, and you go over here and you start a whole other issue to, to divert the attention. So is deflate gate, is Ezekiel Elliott, are all these things a deflection from the CTE discussion? Because I, I don't think they want to have that discussion. They don't want to have that discussion because that discussion won't ever end. And if it ends, it won't end well. Because, by the way, just, just for the record, I think Deflategate's total bullshit. And every day that we sit here and live with the Ezekiel Elliott story, it starts to look like that's some bullshit in that, too. Yeah, I think, I don't know if Goodell is using Deflategate, which was, you know, formerly a couple years ago, or the Zeke situation to deflect from this bigger issue. The Zeke situation, he just mishandled. And it's starting to come out as very blatantly, obviously, that he mishandled. CTE, though, he knows he can't win that battle, which is why at first his stance was it doesn't exist. Remember two years ago at uh, Super Bowl 50 down in San Francisco, he, Jerry Jones, were like, CTE doesn't exist. At least there isn't enough research to show that there is a direct correlation between head trauma and the game of football. Now they're at least starting to acknowledge it. Okay, it does exist, but we're giving millions and millions of dollars towards that it's research. Like global warming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Now at least he's starting to acknowledge it. But acknowledging it isn't, that's not enough. Yeah. It's a real, real problem. I, I put it like this, Lance, that if I break my arm and, I, and I've torn my MCL, I've broken my thumb, I can practically see when those things are healed. I can look in an x-ray, yep. I can feel it, and I know I'm better. If I get a concussion, I can't see and actually visibly tell right. when I'm bad better. healthy. Yep, yep. I can't. And I've had two NFL players text me this offseason Man, I think I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. I got a concussion. I got another one. It's real. Yeah. So does the game survive? You said you were going to get to that. <laughs> Gosh, that's a tough question. It's, um, it, it, it is, you know, look, you, uh, this idea that things are too big to fail, I, I, I happen to know a guy that they used to say that about a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, shit happens. It does. And so, but seemingly this sport and the game of football is too big to fail, but onto your answer. I'm not a guy that dodges questions, so <laughs> does the game survive? I do not think that the game will survive as it is being played now outside of a major intervention. What I mean by that is a helmet technology such as Vices has to work. Mm. Um, what I mean by that is at the peewee level, Rule changes have to be made. Tackling rule changes have to be made. But keep in mind, football is one of the last gladiator sports. It's inherently dangerous. There's a 100% injury ratio. So the game can survive if the players and parents want it to survive, but there has to be more compensation. You know, the, the, the layman person looks at these mass contracts and says, oh, they're being paid handsomely. Football contracts aren't guaranteed. Oh, I know. It's they're messed, not guaranteed seriously messed up basketball MLB contracts. They're guaranteed. So I don't care what you say. You're not being paid handsomely enough. If my life is at risk. Right. Um, and you know, then people start to make the military correlations, et cetera. And that's a whole nother conversation. Right. But until football contracts are guaranteed and there is at least more of a fund, 
No, I don't think it can survive. It goes right back to the discussion we had half an hour ago about college. I mean, they're playing a pro game. Yes. And in fact, a lot of people like that game better than the pro game. Exactly right. And so and they're do- they are doing that for free. Yeah. And they are. You're talking about risking your life and long-term health effects. There are plenty of guys that are just going to play high school and four years of, of college, and they're never going to go to the pros, and they are going to have CTE. Yes. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to take their lives. They're going to have serious major struggles not just for themselves but for their family for free nah exactly and that's what i think it's come down to when you as a parent you as a parent are ultimately actually the deciding factor i got yeah you can be another person on this show that tells me i'm a terrible parent no i don't everyone bojack you a wuss he said i was (laughs) telling he was talking about disciplining his kids i said i could never do that he goes because you a wuss (laughs) he said that i mean Bo Jackson's tips on parenting. You know, it was just it was like, but I hear you. I hear you. I mean, Anna, my my fiance, who who's the mother of Max, who's the eight year old, who's I mean, the thought that he is gonna we go to a, a Luke Armstrong game, a West, a big time high school football game. She sees that, and her thinking that her eight year old sweetheart, little boy, you know, blah, 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 is gonna do that, she can't take it. <laughs> I think in five or ten years, um, by the time y'all really have to make those tough decisions the game would have made improvements. There's too much money in the NFL. There's too much money at the higher levels of football to not try to save the game. The owners have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. And when you say you're going to to Capitol Hill to talk, are are they looking just to learn? Are they looking to legislate? Are they looking to – because, you know, they could. They could do all that. They could learn and legislate. They could – they – they can change the rules. So to my knowledge, it is a – it's a neuroscience it's a kind of a neuroscience committee um, that gathers of, of that committee, 170 members are from Congress. And I think they are looking to educate so that they can legislate. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. you can't really legislate until you're educated. Yeah. And so I think they're looking to one, what is really going on? Let me talk to some of the leaders in this topic, which are neuroscientists, which is Zach Ertz's mom, again, tied in for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. So she real life experience. Myself, who's played the game and also educated on the matter. Um, and then Dave, who's the CEO of Vices, who's created the helmet technology. And you know me, I'm a straight shooter. So I'm literally just going to go there and let everyone know what the real deal is. Here's what people don't understand. The players won't protect themselves. I've seen multiple players get concussed, go back out there because they just have to do it for their team. So if the players aren't going to protect themselves, someone needs to intervene and protect the player. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Joe Webb? I know a Joe Webb, but I know the quarterback Joe Webb. Right. So the Buffalo Bills just signed Joe Webb. And he's played more as a wide receiver than a quarterback. He hasn't thrown a pass. In the NFL since 2011, and they just signed him. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick is just, I, mean, I don't know what he's doing right now, but he ain't throwing no passes. I, am I missing something here? And, I, and, I, and Nate Boyer and I went back and forth. I mean, Nate was, had, you know, came at this from an interesting position as a true patriot, but also as a football player and as, as somebody that wanted to show compassion. What are we missing? This is a tough and touchy topic because what it comes down to is people that want to hear will hear Mm. and people that don't will stay ignorant and naive regardless it's the same thing though as all racial issues um i'm hesitant to tell a story i'm I'm literally in austin a week ago and i'm driving with my friend javon felix and he played basketball for texas african-american male we're driving down the street and we drive past his cop car 
And I'm minding my own business. Do nothing wrong. Next thing you know, the cop car gets behind me. As a black man, you just nervous when cops stop you in this day and age in society. I keep driving. And he pulls me over. I said, he says, you know, I'm stopping you. I said, sir, honestly, I have no idea. He's like, yeah, well, my headlights were off. I was flashing my lights at you. So I appreciate you pulling over. I said, I just pulled over because you were following me. Um, he was like, well, we, we ran your license plate um, and your registrations expired. I said, do you run everybody's license plate? He said, oh, as many as we can. I said, all right, whatever, man. Um, he didn't give me a ticket um, for whatever reason. He gave me a warning. I think he knew that I knew why the hell are you pulling me over? Um, but so I preface that story to say, first and foremost, there is, there are racial issues and racial tension within America. Um, now to Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick is currently an NFL free agent because he is not right now considered a starter for most NFL teams. Fans will chime in and say, well, what about the jets? I hear you. The jets, he should start. He could start for the Jaguars. He could start for. Uh, maybe even the 49ers, who he just left, he could start for. But for most teams, he's not considered a starter. Therefore, NFL teams do not want to deal with the the media frenzy and headache that would come along with mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Owners don't want to deal with yeah. that. But here's the problem. If you're willing to deal with the headache that Ezekiel Elliott will cause, if you're willing to deal with the headache that um, Joe Mixon, um, the the former Oklahoma Sooner who punched his who punched a woman on camera and was got drafted by the Bengals. If you're willing to deal with that headache, how the heck are you not willing to deal with a quote unquote headache from a guy that's fighting for a just cause? The problem is people don't see the cause is just. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. People don't see what people don't even understand that racial tension really exists. Mm. It's it's actually ridiculous. Um, but that's another topic, man, for another yeah, time. Another neck now. But but at the same time, Marshawn Lynch sits. It it was it was like one little blip, one little story. Nobody nobody's kicking him out of the league. Nobody's nobody's there's not a you know a thousand articles written about it. There's not people uh you know the police in, in Oakland are not uh not not going to the games because yeah. Marshawn. It's it's twofold. One Marshawn won't add fuel to the fire, which Kaepernick did. Mm. Remember, Kaepernick, he's he had he's, the socks with he the took pigs. Him, yeah, he had the socks. He took his hair out of the cornrows, had the afro, um, which is kind of a a, a pro bat pro black symbol. He also he put the fist in the air. He wore the the t-shirts. Colin Kaepernick really stood behind it all. Where Marshawn's not a punk, so he's gonna sit because he thinks he should sit. But Marshawn also isn't going to be the leader of this type of movement. Marshawn just believes what he believes and he's going to sit because he's not going to be a punk. You have to understand in the NFL, the owner owns all. And so if your job is in any way, shape or form insecure, you going to stand because you have to think about what Des Bryant said. And, and I've played Des. I know Des. Des said, man, you go out there and you, you protest at your job. Let me know how it goes. That's really what it is for most players. I can't fault Des. Because at the end of the day, he has mouths to feed. But that's why I respect Colin Kaepernick so much more. Because, yes, it did cost him his job. I tell you, when, when Nate Boyer and I had this, I had Nate on literally the week. Nate wrote him, I don't know if you got to read it, but he wrote him this open letter. And, I mean, he nailed it. Mm -hmm. right? He, he took his position as a, as, a, as a special forces guy. I've been in multiple wars. As a true patriot, 
And he said it perfectly. And so fortunately we caught Nate that week. Uh, and, and I thought, okay, this Kaepernick's done, right? But the, and, and everybody's just going to hate on him and he can't reverse that. I, I've been surprised that, he, to me at least, it seems like, first of all, he, he's still in the news because of the Joe Webbs of the world yeah. and because of all the other shit going on in our country. It seems like he is building support. It feels like that. Because he's fighting for something that's real. But he didn't say anything. And he, he doesn't have to. Right. Colin Kaepernick doesn't have to say another word. Colin Kaepernick has done enough. Here's what people don't realize. Colin Kaepernick is making us have this discussion right now. Right. We're speaking for him. Without Colin Kaepernick, there is not even a discussion. Whether Colin, Ka whether Colin Kaepernick actually accomplished anything that you can tangibly see, he at least made people in America start to have the uncomfortable conversation. Mm. And mm. it really is unfortunate that he doesn't have a job because, no, maybe he's not a starter, but you know, I can name right now 15 quarterbacks in a league that Colin is better than. Yeah. He's at least been to a Super Bowl. Come on now. <laughs> I don't care how long ago. He's been to a Super Bowl. Is he going to play again? I can't say that he will. Okay. Um, I, wow. we've, seen, we've seen different scandals from – not even scandals. We've seen different issues that owners don't want to have to deal with from homosexual players. Um, from Michael Sam to even stories that break about players. Um, and there's some things for one reason or another, right or wrong, owners don't want to deal with. It's, it's actually ridiculous that an owner would rather deal with a player who has major domestic violence issues than a player that's sitting to protest racial injustice. Yeah, yeah, wow. Let's end with a with a cute story. This this uh, the, the the this young fan of yours in in Philadelphia when you were playing for the Eagles. This girl, uh, I don't know, if she made your crush on you, man. Uh, Hannah Del Monte. You guys know this story. She she decides she wants to invite you to prom, and she said, "If I, I think what she's if I get two thousand two thousand retweets, you said if you get ten thousand, you got a deal. You got a deal. <laughs> she got she got thirteen thousand retweets." Yeah. And and you show up and take her to prom and <laughs> look, you, you never thought you were going to prom again. Look, I went to, like you said, St. Mark's in Dallas, Texas. That's an all boys high school. So I had never actually been to a prom. There you go. So I'm, I'm sitting in Arizona. My brother played for the Cardinals at the time. They're about to play the Panthers in the playoffs. I just got eliminated with the Eagles. So I'm in Arizona. I check my Instagram direct messages and Hannah Del Monte, a fan from Virginia, <laughs> She messages me. She says, hey, if you get 2,000 retweets, if I get 2,000 retweets, will you go to prom with me? I say 2,000 is a little low of a bar. If you get 10,000, you got a deal. Yeah. By no means that I think would happen. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona now. I'm going to a sushi spot with my friend. I check my phone after three hours. She has 9,987 retweets. Yeah, you're, and then you're calling your travel agent. At that point in time, <laughs> I realized I was going to prom again. But she was cool. She was cool throughout the whole situation. I Here's what people don't realize. I fly to Virginia to surprise her. I have ESPN's Longhorn Network. They cut a, a video reel that starts with the little countdown ticker, the black and white old school ticker. And it's me saying, hey, Hannah, got your invite. I would love to go to prom with you. I was going to show this in her class. I had called her teacher. I told her teacher, hey, tell the students you're showing a documentary. Instead, let it be this video of me accepting her prom invite. I'll be standing outside the door. And she's watching me on the video. I'm at the door. I come into class. I surprise her. Lance, I fly to Virginia. It's February. 
negative six degrees. I'm oh. in the hotel room the night before. I see that school is closed. Oh, no. So now audible, I, audible bro, <laughs> the, the biggest audible I've called in my life. I tell the principal, I tell her mom, they get Hannah to school the next day in the snow. Um, tell her she's meeting with the superintendent. We set up a GoPro in the room where she's meeting with this fake superintendent. As soon as she meets with him about allowing me to go to prom because I was over the age restrictions, she walks outside the meeting room. All her friends are there. I'm there with the Eagles jersey. It says prom 15 for 2015 on the back. She starts bawling right. tears. Yeah, she starts crying. I don't know what to do. Do I hug her? Do I side hug her? Do I high five her? I'm just, I don't know what to do. But we embrace. Side she's hug. she's crying. I'm smiling. It was great, man. And it was, it was and a you fun. You actually went to the prom? I went, man. I'm a man of my word. No, but I mean, like, I, I, don't, I, even, I don't even remember what prom was like. But, you know, you I, go and you, and you, you, you dance and you slow <laughs> dance. and So I didn't slow dance. I feel like that'd be a little risky, but I'm a little awkward and creepy as well. I um, uh, Chevrolet sponsored it. So Fleet of Suburbans, they take me and her friends. We all go to dinner. I mean, I did the whole thing. Here's a problem, bro. I forgot the, the corsage. Uh-oh. Forgot a corsage. How do you forget a corsage? Because you went to an all-boys high school. I didn't know. You don't know. So I, I make a last-minute call. Somebody brings me a corsage. My tux didn't fit. So I, I get. I go to a mall, get my tux altered the day of. But we go to the prom. Um, I actually sang Ed Sheeran um, thinking out loud for her at the prom. I, I cut the music. I, there's a piano there. I get behind the piano. People fall in love in mysterious ways. I mean, the whole nine sing for man. And it was probably the highlight of my life. It really boosted wow. my media career. It was cool. Wow. <laughs> we should have started with that story. <laughs> I thought I was going to embarrass you with the YouTube clip of you playing, you know, serenading a football, but it turns out you're, 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 you're I'm singing at the girls yes. prop. Yes. I sang so you're it. like, that ain't going to embarrass me. Not at all, man. It's cool though. Now she's in college. I think she's going into her sophomore year at Penn state. Um, and so like she, I, when she graduated, I gave her my number. I said, Hey, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach mm. out. She took me literally. She yeah. calls me at like 2 AM one time, like, Hey, my friends, they don't believe that I know you. And like, can you FaceTime me? I'm like, Hannah, right. it is 2 a.m. Girl, right. go to sleep. You know, on the side of the iPhone, there's this little little switch. That's the mute switch. So you won't <laughs> do not disturb. Yeah, that's <laughs> Manuel, thank you. That's 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 all fascinating. Amazing. Thank right. you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The forward podcast at we do w-e-d-u sport singular.com the forward podcast at we do sport.com 